Welcome to Impermeable and Purple, the television show where you and your enemies think about the deconstruction of and your hatred for C-SPAN 2. Squidward, you need bed rest. No, SpongeBob, I don't need bed rest. I just need more listener mail. Listener mail. Let's hear it for listener mail. We've got some listener mail to go through uh, today, and... um. By listener mail, uh, I really mean um, people are are just will occasionally text me directly about the podcast. But I'm going to count it as listener mail so that we can officially say we've started reading listener mail on the podcast. This message comes from listener and past guest Sarah Wadka, who says, "Random thought is that SpongeBob's voice sounds odd to me in this episode, referring to Squeaky Boots, which we discussed last week. Like it's lower than normal. He sounds uh, kind of like episode one SpongeBob." Bob intonation. I wanted to take a second to uh, talk about this because what's really interesting and what Sarah uh, was able to catch without knowing it is that Squeaky Boots was made very early in the show's existence. Despite it being the eighth episode or 17th episode, depending on um, how you count the halves, uh, it was actually the second episode produced after the pilot. So, in production order, it goes Help Wanted, the pilot, Tea at the Tree Dome, and then Squeaky Boots. Um, The reason we know this is because if you look at the animation cells, you you can Google them and and find them online. Look at the animation cells from these episodes. You can see their production code and the code for this one being SB102. This is really fascinating to me because it helps explain not only why SpongeBob's voice doesn't sound like his normal season one voice, but also why Pearl is introduced so late into the show, despite being the first character created by Steven Hillenburg after SpongeBob. It also explains why uh, that episode, though eight episodes in, can feel so quote unquote old. When reading up on the production order of the show, I thought at first that I must be reading the production codes wrong because it didn't make sense to me that Reef Blower, which obviously aired with Help Wanted after its initial pilot premiere, was production code number SB126. It seemed insane that they would have produced uh, or at least began production on 25 different shorts before the show even began airing regularly in July of 1999. But as I kept reading, I learned that SB127 is the production code for the theme song itself, which obviously had to be completed before any episodes could air in their regular post-pilot cycle. So what's really, really interesting to me then after that is, is knowing that so many episodes were either finished or in production, but then reordered for television. Imagine a world where Squeaky Boots was episode number two, and in doing a rewatch, you'd be introduced to Pearl before Mrs. Puff, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, Larry the Lobster, or Plankton. I would absolutely love to be in the room where it was decided what order these episodes would be released in, because it really does change the entire feel of the show. We'll talk more about this when we get closer to episode 12 of the series, but for now, that's listener mail, listener mail. Uh, If you'd like to write in, message me or direct, uh, I can't read my own handwriting, message me directly or email in to sponge at spamrobots.com with your thoughts or questions. That's sponge at spamrobots.com with your thoughts or questions. Today on the podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into episodes Nature Pants and Opposite Day. 
This was the first week that I started paying attention to who wrote and boarded the episodes, uh, as I'm really curious if I could start to recognize the writing styles of specific artists. Nature Pants was boarded by Paul Tibbet and Mark O'Hare. A couple other episodes that they worked on together were Ripped Pants and Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, do these episodes feel similar to you at all? Uh, when Opposite Day came on, I caught right away that it was boarded by Chuck Klein and Jay Lender. And I thought, okay, I remember reading about them while researching Hall Monitor, and I really like that episode. I bet I'll like this one. I did really enjoy um, both of these episodes, but I can't really tell if that's specifically because of the writers or if I just found the premise and execution um, delightful. But We'll see. I'll keep paying attention and see if there's any patterns I pick up um, paying attention to the writers and storyboarders of each episode. With that, though, let's jump right into part one, Nature Pants. This episode is really, really funny and really charming. Uh, before starting this season one watch through, I had just forgotten how much SpongeBob just adores nature. I think that's really heartwarming. And again, just feels like a bit of Steven Hillenburg himself coming through the character. Very fun daydream that SpongeBob is having. I just want to shout out one of the most underappreciated SpongeBob memes um, that comes from a, a blink and you'll miss it frame here. I'm talking about the meme where he's floating <laughs> floating upside down. Uh, it comes just as he does this backflip here and flies out the window. It's used a lot to make SpongeBob look like he's dead and floating in water. Specifically, if you've seen the meme, um, me, eight years old, floating in the pool to see if anybody cares. I just had to shout that out. Uh, the start of this episode is pretty cute, but honestly, most of the episode is really, really shocking, uh, which is why I think, um, or what rather I think makes this episode so funny. As soon as SpongeBob snaps out of his daydream, the rest of the episode will remain somewhere between odd to insane to totally manic. SpongeBob wakes up. And the grill is in absolute flames. I lost it at how panicked uh, SpongeBob and Mr. Krabs are at the fire. Um, and then SpongeBob throwing the fire hydrant and it just landing and sticking for a beat is so funny. Mr. Krabs spraying the fire hydrant, accidentally uh, inflating S SpongeBob, and then him falling on the grill and then shrinking to this tiny burnt crisp is so insane and so funny. I, I got some very Henry David Thoreau vibes from SpongeBob as he tells Mr. Krabs um, that he's leaving his mundane nine to five job to go be one with nature. I couldn't help but wonder why SpongeBob would give up his dream job so quickly after getting it, but um, maybe that's a little inconsistent to his character, but I'll allow it for what funny a premise it creates. Mr. Krabs 
tells SpongeBob he won't last for more than a day. Uh, and I think it's so funny and endearing how angry SpongeBob is as he walks out. His angry face is very cute. Um, and we get another original uh, bikini bottom expletive as SpongeBob says, oh, barnacles, <laughs> as he walks out of the Krusty Krab. Uh, and then this is a rare episode where we see Sandy interacting with the other main characters of the show. I don't know how many times we ever get to see Sandy interact with Squidward specifically. Um, they weren't really made to play off of each other, it seems like. But the stakes are heightened as the entire main cast uh, says goodbye to SpongeBob outside of his former home. That's exactly the response I would expect from someone who lives the sham of a life I once lived. I'm going to prove that I don't need all this stuff to be happy. Maybe someday you'll wise up and join me. Goodbye. I won't be needing these. Buzz, 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 buzz. He took off his pants. I'll give him a week. I'll give him 11 minutes. <laughs> I love how pretentious SpongeBob is here. Uh, in the short time between him deciding to go live in nature and now he's become completely arrogant about the endeavor. Um, and I don't know if you caught this joke, but this is the first instance of a joke that will appear many, many times throughout SpongeBob's history, as well as many times in other cartoons like this one. Um, as the characters guess how long SpongeBob will survive in the wild, Squidward remarks, I'll give him... 11 minutes. Not to over explain a joke, though I guess that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, if you don't know, the reason that this is hilarious uh, is because every SpongeBob episode is, of course, 11 minutes. This joke will come up all the time when a character in a show um, will remark about how long something will last, uh, and they very often will very specifically refer to 11 minutes. You will now never not notice it. Very heartbreaking how heartbroken Patrick is here, and I love how silly and unnecessary it is that SpongeBob takes his clothes off to go live in the wild. Um, I also find it funny how uh, at random points uh, in the episode, he's perfectly obscured or censored to cover up his nudity, um, but then for most of the episode, he's just completely butt naked. And I don't know uh, what it is, but the way that they draw him in this episode, he's just... Seems very, very naked for some reason. Um, the way SpongeBob acts now that he's home uh, and it is, is a jellyfish, it's just so fun and so silly. Um, we get such fun and expressive faces out of SpongeBob as he interacts with his fellow jellyfish brethren um, and uses his nature skills to figure out where to go, what to eat. We start to get little glimpses of just how hard life as Jelly Bob may turn out to be, but even through the hardship, it's it's so sweet seeing how happy SpongeBob is with his new life, but not everyone is happy for him, and some people want to see him come home. Here, Patrick, have a Krabby Patty. There he is, Patrick, see you live. Why, thank you, Sandy. I would love one. Take Patty. Too bad SpongeBob isn't here. These are his favorites. I sure wish he'd come home. Take a bite. I can't do it. A SpongeBob, come back. <laughs> Patrick is not handling the change well, um, and the episode really starts ramping up here. Um, SpongeBob tells him, "Patrick, I'm I'm happy here now," and and he pushes forward and refuses to go back to his old life, uh, and he's a jellyfish now for good. 
Okay, I seriously lost it at this next part. I was not expecting um, the episode to escalate like this, and and this next scene shocked me. Patrick, what are you doing? If I can't have you as a friend, I'm gonna make you a trophy. I even picked out this nice jar for you. <laughs> I lost it at this scene. I seriously was shocked, and Patrick scared the crap out of me. Uh, I know that sounds overdramatic, but even though I've seen this episode a thousand times, I was not expecting this intense of a turn. I'm sure this um, sort of disturbing scene is the sort of thing that would freak my mom out, uh, seeing me watch this cartoon as a kid. Um, and it's probably also the sort of thing that explains why some of uh, my humor is so warped. Um, in fact... I, I thought Morgan uh, would love this episode, so I had her watch it in case she wanted to be on the podcast this week. Um, unfortunately, it just really disturbed her, uh, and she did not enjoy it as much as I did. Um, but I, I don't know why I was surprised by that. Literally, my doodles um, disturb her sometimes, and she really doesn't like them, and I, I'm beginning to see where that maybe came from. But anyway, uh, Patrick is now in hot pursuit of SpongeBob, and this episode takes a hard turn from Walden Pond to more The Most Dangerous Game. Um, I died at the line, you're going to look good on my mantle. Holy crap. Uh, and now we've arrived to a scene that has easily become one of the most popular SpongeBob memes ever. You know it. You've definitely seen it. You've definitely seen uh, both of the memes, actually, in, the, in this pair of memes. And I'm, of course, talking about the image of Patrick staring down at SpongeBob and SpongeBob looking relieved while buck naked. Let's just listen to the audio of that scene. <sighs> I got you now, SpongeBob! So now whenever you see that meme, you can remember what the meme sounds like. The chase continues and Patrick is screaming just insane, barbaric cries. Uh, and SpongeBob eventually arrives to a jellyfish nest where he can hide. Again, I know I've said this before, but it's just so freaking funny that not only are the jellyfish bees in this universe, but um, that they commit so much that they have an actual like uh, wasp nest looking hive for them to live in. Um, now, I swear to Neptune, Patrick jumps at the hive for so long. I'm not sure if the length of the joke was just to fill out time. Sometimes uh, in animation, to, to get your episode around to 11 minutes, the cartoonist will extend a bit of animation to fill for time. Maybe it's that, or maybe it was just intentional comedic timing. But either way, I'm giving it to them because it was so funny. Um, and then at this point, you, you can predict what's going to happen. SpongeBob is in the hive looking very Winnie the Pooh-esque um, when the jellyfish arrive back home and find their fellow brethren eating all of their jelly. Ah, my jellyfish brethren are returning. Greetings, comrades. I feel like ordinarily an episode like this would end here with SpongeBob running off into the distance, right? Ow, ow. Uh, and then a slow fade to SpongeBob, maybe back at home, giving up on the nature life. But this episode just keeps going. Um, maybe if this episode weren't so great, I would find that annoying. But the insanity of this episode is just so delightful that I'm okay with it. 
We've seen SpongeBob struggle to survive in nature for a long time now, but I feel so bad for Sponge as he struggles to get sleep. Um, and it, it seems a little bit like an obvious joke to have him shivering at night uh, since we kind of already had that joke with Home Sweet Pineapple, right? As when he has a sleepover with Patrick. Um, but just when you think you can predict where the joke is going, they throw another curveball at you and escalate it once again. Hey! Ooh, I'm itchy. Itchy, why am I so itchy? Ah! Poison sea urchins. I wrote down in my notes, great mother of pearl, the sea urchins. I was not expecting that at all. And I giggled and chuckled so much. Like I imagine I probably did when I first saw this when I was a kid too. Um, and I'm beginning to see how uh, this otherwise pretty tame show probably did actually work to make my um, sense of humor pretty warped. Um, but I'm not complaining. SpongeBob sadly walks back through Bikini Bottom in defeat. He buzz buzzes all the way to the Krusty Krab. I'm not sure why a stack of Krabby Patties would be left out in the dining space on a table, um, but it's an effective and cute way to show how crust SpongeBob is. And as always, it's so heartbreaking to watch SpongeBob cry. Got to shout out again the dedication to the writing and the voice acting. Him pressing his face against the glass and like talking with his tongue stuck out is like they didn't have to do that but they did that for us Uh, he walks past sandy's tree dome walks past his neighbor's houses and makes it back to the pineapple he laments how he had such a great life and threw it away which makes some sense as to why he would give up his dream job earlier at the Krusty crab and then Lo and behold, the main cast is inside the pineapple throwing a surprise welcome party. It's a very cute ending. We get to see SpongeBob just genuinely loved by his friends, and it feels really good. SpongeBob, do us all a favor. Don't mind if I do. Ta-da! Okay, that's enough. Could we please stop this? Patrick Itchy! It is great to be home! Overall, I really love this episode. It's a very cute ending. It honestly feels really, really different from other episodes, um, but I think they really pull it off. I think that the differentness of it feels novel and like an exploration of the world and the characters, and, and it's not like they ran out of ideas and they're just jumping the shark, no pun intended. It's ad- admittedly a little cheesy, a little quaint, um, but I think that it, it earns it with how genuinely heartwarming and yet at the same time shocking and somewhat disturbing it is. But that's Nature Pants. Five out of five SpongeBob in my book. Um, And with that, let's take a long exercise and when we stay away forever, keep silent about the horrible episode, Opposite Day. Turn on Nick. Faster than you can say SpongeBob SquarePants 52 times in a row.
anything I wouldn't do. We're back with the truly classic episode, Opposite Day. And like I said at the top, this episode is written and boarded by Chuck Klein, Jay Lender, and Mr. Lawrence. I wrote in my notes uh, next to their names, um, dot, 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 will I love it? And I must say, I truly do love this episode. It's silly, it's weird, and it's unrelenting. We get a ridiculous cold open, uh, a clam slash rooster crows, which by the way, this is the first time we've actually seen that it is, in fact, a clam uh, crowing every time. Setting up the in-world joke that uh, clams act as birds in Bikini Bottom. But the sun rises and um, we're surprised with SpongeBob and Patrick celebrating Squidward's birthday, though it is not, of course, his birthday. This is a really clever way to set up the episode, not only blasting out the gate and getting a few laughs in, but illustrating for us how tormenting Squidward's life is. Uh, when I was in high school... Um, I had a friend who had his Facebook hacked by some other friends, uh, and this is insane and evil and so funny. They went in, and all they did was they silently changed his birthday on his profile. That was it. They didn't do anything else to his profile, and they never brought it up again, never let him know that they got access to his Facebook. Um, but come that day, his like new fake birthday, tons and tons, like dozens, maybe over 100 people are posting to his page, happy birthday. And he's confused at first and until he realizes that his Facebook profile has the wrong date and realizes what his friend have done um and he posts haha very funny guys but uh, my friends pranked me it's not actually my birthday thank you for the wishes though and people just keep continuing to post to his wall and he has to keep telling people like seriously no it's not my birthday which is just like the most harmless yet cruel prank so anyway i i immediately thought of this clip when that happened and posted it to his wall but squidward has had enough a SpongeBob and Patrick's antics and decides that he is going to move as soon as he can sell his house. He talks to a real estate agent who assures him that she will be able to sell his house, assuming it's not infested with nematodes. I had to do some research on nematodes um, because this is the second time that they've come up. As far as I can tell, uh, within the lore of the show, nematodes kind of act as a like a termite, um, and they are parasites in real life. But as far as I can tell, uh, marine nematodes, uh, microscopic worm-like creatures, um, very wildly, <laughs> and have like over fifty thousand species. Um, some think that it's actually over a million different species of nematode. They are are often par parasitic and can be bad for plants. But the more I read about nematodes, the more I realize I just don't know anything about nematodes. And it is an entire massive field of science that I cannot sum up for one SpongeBob joke. But that's not a problem. Squidward doesn't have nematodes. Um, and the real estate says that's great, as long as you also don't have any obnoxious neighbors. Well, this is clearly a problem for our dear friend Squidward, because while we know uh, from Home Sweet Pineapple that Squidward's home is void of any nematodes, we also know from Naughty Nautical Neighbors that troublesome neighbors are exactly what Squidward has. We get a very clever, albeit somewhat on the nose, setup for the premise of the episode. I'll be by tomorrow to check out the house. See you then. SpongeBob. 
no one will ever buy my house with him living next door. Whatever a good neighbor would do, he does the opposite. 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 I love um, this establishing shot on uh, the like lone island at dawn. The sun rises on a new day. Um, and SpongeBob wakes up this time to Squidward being a goofball. I giggled at how um, concerned SpongeBob was for Squidward and how silly Squidward's being. Uh, and Squidward explains to SpongeBob that it is, in fact, opposite day. I love SpongeBob's awe and curiosity at Squidward's explanation, especially because I think I had the exact same response to this episode as a child. I didn't get the humor in SpongeBob assuming that everybody else must already know um, about opposite day when this is clearly Squidward making it up on the spot. Um, But I think I must have just assumed that Squidward actually did know about a holiday that everybody else knew. So me and my friends would often treat opposite day like a real thing and try to stick to it as close as we could. Does everybody know about Opposite Day? Oh, sure. It's a game. Get it? Oh, a game. Yeah. Normally, you're really loud and annoying, so what are you going to be today? Quiet and out of the way. Yay! Yeah! Why don't you get a jump on it? (laughs) SpongeBob runs, or rather walks, Back to bed, excited about Opposite Day and giddy to partake. I noticed re-watching this that SpongeBob seems to have a, a bird cage with a clam inside in his bedroom, so that's interesting. But his excitement is so endearing, and even Gary wants to play along. Too bad it only comes once a year, huh, Gary? <coughs> Gary, where's your holiday spirit? <laughs> Patrick comes to SpongeBob's house, and SpongeBob lets him know um, that he never wants to see him again. Patrick is clearly distraught, and SpongeBob lets Patrick in on the game. Uh, and um, don't you just love how quickly SpongeBob turns around and talks to Patrick? Like opposite day is this obvious thing that everybody should know about. Patrick's slow on the uptake, but when he gets it, he literally stops breathing. And holy crap, Patrick literally turns purple (laughs) i lost it uh and thought that was so freaking funny and and especially spongebob's kind of slow concern on his face and then as he pleads patrick breathe (laughs) and spongebob um explains to him that it's not that kind of opposite and then we just get this insane montage of of spongebob and patrick doing opposite things acting you know uh gary like a uh, a dog, SpongeBob acting like a snail, them um, blowing bubbles, but actually being bubbles themselves. And then, of course, in, in part of the montage, SpongeBob and Patrick um, speak backwards. Um, because this is an audio only podcast, I just felt like it would be wrong for me to not play that clip for you and then let you hear what it sounds like, uh, in reverse, reverse order here. Listen here. To get to the opposite side. I give up. Hey, Patrick. So there you go. Now, you know. 
I love um, how Squidward is is packing up and getting ready to move, and you can just see so many self-portraits that he has around the house. We, we've seen his self-portraiture before in uh, Naughty Nautical Neighbors, but you really see like three or four unique ones in this episode. Um, and then SpongeBob and Patrick are doing some work around the house and uh, just completely destroy his pineapple home. I don't really understand if his house is actually a fruit or if it's made of like wood and plaster, um, but I suppose maybe that's overthinking the joke. Uh, again, there's just some delightful faces on SpongeBob, um, and he uh, quote unquote plays along with Squidward, passing insults um, frantically. Squidward cleans up the mess before the real estate agent shows up. It's all starting to get very, very confusing. I don't get it. I made my house a mess, which was making it clean, which made Squidward clean my yard, but that really means he's messing it up. But the opposite of clean is filth, which means filth is clean. That means Squidward's really making my yard a wreck, but I'd normally wreck my own yard, which means Squidward's being the opposite of Squidward, which means he's SpongeBob. Aha! I understand everything now. I must be the opposite of SpongeBob by being... Squidward. I love the confused logic and reasoning Spongebob uses here because truthfully, opposite day doesn't really make any sense. Like when I was a kid and I was trying to figure out how to make everything in my day opposite, you just run into so many dead ends so quickly. But I love the acknowledgement that as characters, Spongebob and Squidward exist to mirror each other. Patrick is so endearing and how he just doesn't really get the complexity of what Spongebob is doing um, and can only resort to his I'm Squidward, I'm Squidward, 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 Squidward dance uh, is just so endearing um uh, listen to this uh, ex- excerpt from an oral history uh, where jay lender describes the writing experience he says chuck klein taught me how to write in the style just by doing it really well in the same room with me his dopey i'm squidward edward edward dance in opposite day was right on the money spongebob wise derek and steve used to say dumb is funny chuck got that right off the bat SpongeBob and Patrick head over to Squidward's house. Um, They kind of run in gleefully um, just as the real estate agent comes over. I love how disinterested SpongeBob is uh, as he impersonates Squidward and is talking to the real estate agent, um, specifically her commenting on his height and his, uh, his quote, yeah, everyone says that. It's just very funny. How fun is it that SpongeBob eviscerates Squidward's home verbally, which on opposite day, of course, means that SpongeBob actually like really <laughs> looks up to Squidward and his house. Um, also, I just have to say, Tom Kenny just does a great impression of Squidward's voice uh, and, and Squidward's laugh here. Squidward realizes uh, what's going on and comes over to find SpongeBob and Patrick tormenting the real estate agent. <laughs> don't want to hear another one. Okay. I really don't want to hear more, thank you. I hear you loud and clear. Get away from her! Oh, oh, I am so sorry, ma'am. I hope these two barnacle heads haven't harmed you in any way. Who are you? Why, I'm Squidward. What kind of fool do you take me for? He's Squidward, he's Squidward, you're Squidward, I'm Squidward! Are there any other Squidwards I should know about? Meow. I'm out of here. 
<laughs> Something I put down in my notes. Um, I love the voice acting work on this real estate agent, Fish. She seems like almost human talking and standing next to these other characters. Um, and her and Squidward definitely seem like the only adults in the episode. But then by the end of the episode, even Squidward uh, looks insane by, by comparison. So just very clever writing. Um, and I don't need to say this, but this is an iconic scene. I'm Squidward. You're Squidward. We're all Squidward. Are there any other Squidwards I should know about? Just classic. Uh, the real estate agent leaves, uh, and Squidward is now, unfortunately, stuck in his neighborhood forever. Happy, Happy opposite, opposite day, Squidward! We hate you! Let me show you guys how much I hate you! The ending is somewhat predictable, but SpongeBob and Patrick shouting, we hate you, is in a sort of a weird way really delightful. Um, I think that this is a really solid episode, just a really fun, simple story about SpongeBob and Patrick being goofballs and ruining Squidward's day. Already just nine or so episodes into the show, we've had so many crazy adventures in which SpongeBob and Patrick just ruined Squidward's day, uh, specifically just in the neighborhood, but they keep finding new ways to make it fresh and, and still get a laugh out of us. So for all that, I will say, I hate this episode. Zero stars out of five. That's Nature Pants in Opposite Day. They're shocking and silly and both quintessential SpongeBob. Next week, we're going to have a new guest on, which I'm really excited for. So you won't want to miss that. Until then, though, I will see you next week for Culture Shock and F-U-N Fun. Fun.